What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of The Winner's Circle by Grande Sports Training, a podcast where we dive deep into the mindset of professional soccer players. Today, we have a very special guest of mine, very great friend, even better player, Mr. P. Bo. How are we doing today? Hey, we're good, man. We out here. We blessed. Trying to survive in these trying times. Uh, you can't complain, man. How you doing? Dude, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. People, man, what are you doing to stay busy during this quarantine time? Ah, man, that's a, that's a million dollar question. So right now, we, we, you know, obviously still being contracted to, to Lauda United. We have uh, workouts that we're doing, basically a fitness packet that we follow, which is influenced by the first team, DC United. Uh, so it's a little bit tough, but it, it keeps us healthy. It keeps us fresh and uh, moving. Um, you know, split that time between just checking up on the family, friends, doing Zoom calls, um, you know, reading articles, whatever I can do to keep myself busy. Trying to cook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I work out you. all the time, I but I try. You know, I try. So, you know, that's that's pretty much what we got going on. So do you guys have like a set schedule right now, like Monday through Friday at a certain time that or certain workouts that you guys need to do? Yeah, so so the way it works, we we have uh, I guess like a weekly schedule that changes every week, um, and then you know throughout the week we'll also have different meetings, um, you know, to kind of engage and like see each other's faces and whatnot. Um, so it's just up to us what what time we want to do our workouts, but each day we have a different workout to follow, um, and and it's, it's good, you know, it's it's good to have that structure for for you know. A player I know we got a lot of young guys on the team who this is this is new to them you know they've never been ever never had this responsibility before um but haven't been in the league for a minute you know I'm kind of used to that every day look you know got to stick to the regimen and, and keep grinding so 100% and how, how long have you been in the league already people so I did this is my eighth year overall seven years in the USL one year uh NESL um, okay. So it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, so you know how everything works, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, I like to say so. So let, let's rewind it back a little bit, people. So right. Let's let's take it back um, to the moment you signed your first professional contract. How was that? What went through your mind? Whoo, that's a, that's a great one, bro. Because so to, to, to rewind a little bit more, uh, I went to West Virginia, um, you know, on scholarship was was blessed you know I've always wanted to go pro but like I never really thought I was gonna get there so to to go on a full scholarship at West Virginia I was you know you can already imagine I was already gassed up um you know we had a really good team and um you know a, a group in my class that we could have you know probably five of us that could have all went pro without a doubt um so there were some guys on that team that were expected to go pro and I think one of them went for for a few years, but uh, long story short, um, I didn't I didn't expect to get drafted. Um, I didn't you know I'd, I'd hoped to, but I didn't expect to get drafted in MLS just because you know I was playing a bunch of different positions in college. You know it was it was, it was a lot of a lot of things that went into it. Um, so I had the opportunity to to go uh, train with um, I guess it was a combine for Colorado Rapids. Um, and you know it went well. They met with the staff, and they were like, "Look, like we, we like this you. guy. Yeah, we like you. Like, <laughs> like what's your, what's your deal? <laughs> like, what's happening with you? Put us in contact with my agent at the time. Um, and and you know, you can only imagine like from going from like 
you know, not not expecting anything to these guys are telling you, oh, we're going to draft you. I was and, way up, and, you know. And was this all in your senior year of college or after you graduated? This is this is this was the yes, this was the last semester. So I graduated early. I graduated in December, mm-hmm. and this was uh, right after I graduated. Okay. Um, so I was done. I was ready to go. You know. Um, so long story short, I didn't end up getting drafted by them. So I was I was. Where I was so blown, I was I was like, "Yo, this is this is whack. Soccer's not for me. I'm better off going, you know, working somewhere else and and just trying to figure out my life here. You know, you know, uh, us DMV folk, we like staying in the DMV. We we we, we like to have, we like to be home. Um, and then um, my agent at the time hit me up and was like, "Hey, man, look, uh, I got a trial for you out in Phoenix, <laughs> Arizona." And I'm like, "Bro, like I've never been outside of." east coast yeah i'm just like you know f it uh, let's go so i went yeah. to the trial did my thing within two days uh the coach was like hey go home get your stuff we want to sign you and i was like yo it was like the best phone call i ever had in my like the feeling like i still remember that feeling i was so happy i was buzzing called mom dukes immediately you know she was kind of torn because she's like oh my baby's gonna be leaving but at the same time <laughs> she's happy because i'm, I'm pr- pursuing the dream so, so uh, that feeling there, you know, signing the first contract, bro, for me was like, indis- like you can't really describe that, bro. Like it was, it was to not expect to like do something and then, and then, and it wasn't a great contract by any means, you know, I was just happy to. But it's happy a pro to, contract. It's a pro it's contract. It's a childhood know? So dream. Be a part of a, part of a team and kind of start my, my career. Um, but, but you know, that, that season's another story, but you know, it was, it was at that moment, it was unbelievable, bro. Uh, we're going to, we're going to get into that. We're going to get yeah, into please that. Do, please you know, do. I got, I got yeah. So after you signed that first contract, buzzing, super happy, family's happy with you. Um, but my question is here, people, how, or at what age did you know, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be pro mm-hmm. and, and, and how did you go about that? Like there I mean, must have been something in your mind that just clicked. Like yeah. I'm actually a good player. I actually have good chances to go pro. I think you know, I, like you mentioned, everybody. You know, we play the game because we want to be at this level, right? Mm-hmm. You know, even even when we were six, seven, eight years old, we we watched the Messi, the Ronaldo, the the Teles, even you know, and we're like, yo, I want to be on this stage. So I think it's always been an idea, a hope for me to go pro. Um, I guess the moment or the time that I realized that it was very possible to go or, or take my, my talent to the next level was when I joined the DC United Academy. Um, Prior to DC United, you know, I've I've always been involved with ODP um, representing Maryland, getting invited to some regional camps here and there, but never, never really reached, um, you know, the national level. And when I was playing for DC United, uh, the U6, U6 at this it's, at this time I was 17 playing for the U18s. Um, I was playing well. I was playing left back. I was really co- I was coached really well by by a guy named Judah Cooks. Some of you know him. Um, he 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 knew how to get me going. And you know I was I was a left back. I was playing well. I was, I was playing every game. And um, I ended up getting called up to the national team for a camp. Um, and in that camp was, you know, it wasn't like a, a, a mega camp where they just invite guys and they kind of select, all right, who do we want the pool to be? This was the pool. Um, so guys, like, I'll, I'll name drop a little bit, but, like, guys like Amobi Akugo, 
uh, Zarek Valentin, Gale Abasamunde. Um, I'm trying to think who else, but like guys who were already kind of established at that time of like national team players. Right, uh, right. And I was like, could like how because i never like hey, i'm, I said, I'm I never, over here with these guys i never i never made it up to that to that national stage through odp so i was like yo how did i get here yeah and, but at the same time you know it was it was kind of like okay this is an opportunity for me to kind of not just try to do my best but digest digest as much stuff because i was it was my first time getting called up like you know um so it was a good opportunity for me but i think in that camp seeing seeing um i think it was called home depot center at the time you know, the nice field, you know, training, training um, at, at Galaxy Stadium. And, and at that time, too, we were training. Um, we had a friendly against uh, LA Galaxy Reserves. So we played against, um, you know, Burhalter, who's coaching the national team right now. Uh, my boy Israel Cisse, who was the truth back in, back in the day. He's still a baller, but, like, he was the next best thing at that time. Um, so I think in that camp, I kind of started to believe in myself a little bit more. I was like, all right look, you hear, you can kind of, you can kind of keep going if you, if you start to, you know, obviously pay more attention, but, but believe in yourself. So. For sure. For sure. No, yep. that, 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 that's a great little story right there. So yeah, would bro. you say Judah Cooks played a huge role in your life and that time to make that jump from that mentality of like, I'm playing it, I'm good, but now I know I can, I can play at the next level. Would you say he impacted you? For sure, for sure. Um, Judah's definitely a guy. <laughs> we have a love-hate relationship sometimes, you know, just because he's honest. He'll tell you what it is. And I think even even to go back even further, when I was playing for the U16s, Richie Burke, who coaches uh, the Washington Spirit, we had that same relationship. Oh, I know Richie. If I was, if I was trash one day, he would tell me I'm trash. If I was brilliant, yep. he would tell me I'm brilliant. Yep. So we went back and forth. But, yes, I, I definitely say that um, the both of them, especially Judah, um, in that time, had a had a big, heavy, heavy influence on on you know that that propeller because I don't know if you 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 personally know Judah, but he's a confident guy. He's a he's a he's got the swagger. He'll tell you like he played for DC United and, and he was one of my favorite players back in the day because of how he carried himself. He's he's you know just co that confidence of like why not? You're telling me no, like why not? So um, at the time, you know, we, we talked before before I went out to camp and he basically told me, like, don't be scared. Just go do your thing. Um, you know, not saying I had the best camp, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was a good learning experience. And and yeah, he, he definitely was was one that kind of accelerated that confidence for me. And did did you ever throughout your whole playing career? Let's talk about from like the first day you stepped onto the soccer field as a kid. Did you ever have. Uh, any type of coach that way? Because I know a lot of players have coaches that are, you know, super direct and, and tell you how it is. And then there's some coaches that kind of sugarcoat it and let you mm -hmm. figure it out. Um, yeah. But there's just different coaches that you come across in your career. Um, yeah. Did you ever have another coach like that before? Yeah, of course. My very first coach who, who I consider a father of mine um, because he he uh, he's just, you know, so... For at the time when I was when I was just getting started with soccer, Julio Arjona, senior, um, basically brought me in <laughs> um, and and treated me as a son. Meaning, you know, he would he would help me out when my mom couldn't take me out to to the tournaments if I couldn't afford cleats. And even when we played, he treated me as as a son. You know, um, just to just to give you a little context of the story, when I, there was a time where I was playing for Julio's team. 
And his son, Julio Arjona Jr., was playing for the Roadrunners. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I, in a way I kind of was the void, or I guess filled that void of his son playing for him. So he was, he got into me a lot. He was, he was, he was a lot of pressure at some times. How, how old were you at that time, people, when he was getting into you, digging deep? Bro, I want to say, say we started when I was eight, eight, seven, eight, nine years old. I can't really remember, but it was young. It was, it was my first team because the way it happened is, you know, I wanted to get involved with soccer. My mom didn't really know the, the whole structure of how soccer is, travel, reg, blah, you know. So the first thing is she threw me to the MSI Classic. And after a couple practices, the coach, you know, God bless this guy, but he, I don't even remember his name, but he came to my mom and said, hey, love having people here, but he, he, he doesn't belong here. <laughs> he doesn't belong with <laughs> <in> his team. <laughs> like, you know, I, and, I, and I was kind of, at the time because I was having fun like guys were good I got when you're good at something you have fun it's, it's, it's a great time so my mom told me she's like what do you want to do so we looked out for another MSI classic team which was which was Julio's team at the time went and tried out he's like yeah you're coming with me um and then from then that's when I went to the MSC United and then stayed with him for for a few years and then eventually made the switch to Bethesda and then that's how I got going so so after that coach told you, like, oh, like, you don't belong here, did you ever have that feeling of, like, damn, I don't want to play soccer no more? Or you just used that as, like, fuel to, like, outprove yourself more, somewhere else? Yeah, I, I guess I was more so confused because I was, like, I, I didn't know how things worked. Like, I just yeah. thought people would just go out and play soccer. Like, yeah, you want a yeah. team? That's your team, you know? And when he told me that, or told my, me and my mom that, like, you know, obviously you make friends on a team. I was kind of disappointed, but... Um, you know, obviously, I've always, I've, I'm always an open-minded person. So at the time, I was just like, all right, let's let's see what's up. And then when um, you know, I went to the the new MSI Classic team with Julio. Um, you know, it was it was it was still fun for me. We had a great time, and and um, it was just a little bit more competitive. But nothing that I was ever thought about was like, nah, I, I don't want to do this anymore. It's you know, I love the game, so I was just like, yo, I'm playing soccer. These guys are playing soccer. This is this is what it is, you know. So, so eventually, from what I'm hearing, you, you jumped in to play because you love the game. But then yeah. you, you came across Julio. I know Julio, too. Julio, he's, he's a funny, great guy. Both Julios yeah. are great guys. For sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. But you get into Julio's training environment, right? And it's this competitive environment. Yeah. And it seems like that played a huge impact in, in, in you know, your, your mindset and how you grew up. For sure. And, at at and such I a young age, getting drilled like that. You know, yeah. eventually, a lot of a lot of players and, and parents might say like, "No, that's too much for a kid," et cetera, et cetera. But I I grew up the same way, so I know what it means. Mm -hmm. um, but how how would you say that kind of shaped you going into you know the teenage years? Yeah, no, I I, I definitely. So I mentioned earlier that judo kind of propelled that that confidence in me, and Richie as well. Um, but Julio is the one that set the foundation. No, no, that's facts. He's the one who set the foundation of, look, if you are going to take anything serious, if you're going to win, you need to put in work. And it's not like have, have one foot in, one foot out. No, you need to go. Like, I remember times where we were in Julio's garage. You would move all his nice cars out of the garage. And me and Julio uh, Jr. would be in there training training bro in the winter cold bro you know how the garage is I know. <laughs> we'd be training running doing footwork 
you know, outside of our practices at Rockville or wherever it was. And Julio is one person that, you know, not just from a soccer perspective, but from a life perspective. I mean, you see him, how he's come to this country and what he has now. I mean, bro, like, you can't tell me that the guy doesn't doesn't work hard. You can't tell me that it's all luck. Yeah, maybe there's some luck involved, but but from that perspective, the mindset, I definitely think that Julio's the one that that uh that set the foundation for me to kind of carry that like, look, nothing is gonna be given to you if you're gonna if you, you can choose not to work, but don't expect don't expect anything, bro. But you know, um I, yeah, I, I I agree. He he's the one that kind of instilled that into me as well. And I think even even um Julio Jr. himself has I mean he's doing well he's not playing soccer anymore but he's doing well you can see you can see how that that correlates you know that mindset of yeah. of bro it's a different type of approach that you need to have you know if to, you know to reach success so no 100% I totally agree with you and I, I feel like that mindset you're able to not only apply it to sport as an athlete but it applies to every other thing that you do in life like if you want to you know, get something or achieve something, it's not going to come easy. You need to work for it. That's facts. And if you're not, if you're not going to work for it, don't expect anything. Don't expect it. Like, exactly. Nobody, 100%. You know, there's a very small percentage where that case works for the guys who, who don't work hard and, 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 you know, they have everything. There's a very small, it exists, but there's a very small percentage. So, yeah, because, nah, you know, the thing is, everybody sees people on the field, London United, but nobody knows the background story of what set these foundation. And, and yeah. that's why I love doing these, these podcast interviews because sure. you get to find out all these little things about the, about people, about the person. And then being that person leads to the player you are today. But so going back to that, Julio Arjona instilled that foundation on you. He set the standard of, of what you need to, you know, how you need to think how you need to go ahead with your life and move forward as a soccer player. Um, after that, what, uh, what club did you play for when you're, you know, 13, 14 years old? Yeah. So around 13, 13, um, is when, you know, MS, MSC, you know, we've always been rivals with the Rotoronites. And I'm talking like, I, I say it a rivalry, but Rotoronites <laughs> had the upper hand, obviously. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were stacked. They were, they were stacked in, 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 you know, obviously we're involved with State Cup and, you know, Jefferson Cup and all these different tournaments. But, you know, for me as a person, like, I, 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 that drive to win, I just wanted to win, bro. Like, I just wanted to be on a, on a team that, you know, obviously we had great players and we won some tournaments with MSC, but I just want, I wanted glory. You know, that was one of the biggest things that I wanted. So it got to a point where um, a lot of guys were, were leaving MSC and kind of became imbalanced. And I thought it was a good opportunity to, to you know, um, start training with um, the Roadrunners. So <laughs> and then your rival uh, team. Yeah, yeah excuse <laughs> me. Sorry. Before, before that, so I, before that, I was kind of skeptical of going to the Roadrunners, right? So I played up with Bethesda Arsenal. Um, and that was coached by Festus George and Emil Mabu, um, World Cup legend. I mean, I've, if you haven't met Emil yet, like, you definitely got to have a conversation with him. He is not just an amazing person, but like he he really has a great great look on the the game itself as from a global perspective, and he's accomplished some stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I played with but that's Arsenal first season. Uh, played up, it was good. Um, you know, we weren't we weren't that that great. Uh, we had we had trouble beating Potomac as well. So I, I ended eventually moved on to the Roadrunners. 
Um, and in in the fact, I guess if you look at it, we became like a super team. <laughs> I mean, they were already a great team, but like after that, it was it was you know, I can't. I'm trying to think of locally who was the competition, but like there wasn't really anybody else. So um, you you mentioned earlier you you wanted glory, you wanted to win everything. Do you think that's yeah. something that you you learned along the way, or it was instilled in you in some type of way by a coach? But like just you know, in, in other words. You want to win. Everybody wants to win. Nobody wants to be a loser. Everybody wants to be a for winner. Sure, but, for sure. but it's it's like it sounds like you understand what it takes to be a winner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean Yeah, I mean just going back to Julio, he, he definitely played an integral part of that. Um you know, obviously I, I the goal is to be a successful person. Um and Even at the at time that young of an age. Yeah, at that young of an age, like I've always wanted to like to be somebody, you know, um, and especially when it came to soccer, I always wanted to be the best. Like you can, you can ask people that I played uh, middle school ball with, like, I played, uh, that's my sister. But um, yeah, you can, you, the, the competitiveness, my competitiveness compared to theirs was completely different. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Like, even in middle school games, like think about it, like at, at, at Rocky Hill middle school and I'm, I'm out here like, Yo, we have to win this game, guys. And they're like, "We're, we're just okay, playing. Well, why, fun. We're just having. You? We're just having fun, dude." Yeah. Relax. Why are you talking to us like that? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's always been a part of me of, of just trying to win and be be as good as I can and um, be. And especially when it comes to soccer, it's just just be top dog. I think that's every soccer player's mentality. Like, you know, they want that ego of being the best player. Look at look at Messi and Ronaldo. You know, like this, that conversation is is gonna be there for years to come of who's the best. Even look at Maradona and Pele, like that yeah. conversation is still there too. So I think that's that was natural to have that kind of ego of like, look, I just want to win. You know, be the yeah, best. Yeah. I I totally agree with you. I feel like sometimes people are just born with it, yeah. and they just want to be surrounded by the best. But with a little bit of guidance, like it it actually flourishes and comes out. So you know, you said that you wanted to, you know just win everything you join the roadrunners and now you guys have a super team do you think that that environment of just being surrounded by like fantastic amazing players you know kind of even push that that winner mindset mentality uh, to the next level for sure <laughs> and uh for people who i guess ask that's a similar question i always reference the roadrunners you know they you know being on that team definitely um i guess carved the path of like who i am today in terms of like why i'm so competitive at things because that environment bro i mean like every single day it wasn't only a competitive environment it was a competitive environment of look i'm about to almost like a like a r.i.p kobe and 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 and, and, and mj and, and mentality like we're trying to beat each other and then we're trying to talk about it afterwards you know what i'm saying yeah like we're trying to make you feel terrible, but at the end of the day, it's love. You know what I'm exactly, saying? Exactly. Y'all love each other, but in that moment of like, I just remember my first one of my first training sessions because like I've always been playing against these guys, so I knew them. But like, actually going to one of the first training sessions, um, it was in Bethesda, this in this indoor facility. Uh, I guess it was a school. I was like, "Yo, this is intense, bro!" <laughs> like I was, I was kind of shocked because. You know, my boy Chris Woodruff, you know, Chris Hangy, Deshaun Ragland. It was like, 
yo, we're playing, but we're talking, we're chatting at each other, we're barking at each other nonstop. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, I'm a, I'm a reserved person personally. But like, it was just like, I, was, I just remember being so, so shocked at like, and then, and then you have like the parents just sitting there like, this is normal. <laughs> just, and you're 13 at this time, right? Yeah, like, this, I think it was four, yeah, 13, 14 at the time. And I was just like, damn dog like this is crazy like like i thought i was on a level of competitiveness like i thought i had and then to see that of the guys are like yo this is this is how this is how they interact with guys because it was funny because it's like like i said we'd play bark at each other then we go out to chipotle and, and act like nothing happened you know exactly. like that, that was the type of family we were um and that kind of taught me too is like what happens on the field stays on the field. You know, you can, you can obviously there's a, there's a line between disrespecting somebody and, 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 and you know, showcasing your emotions. But, you know, it's it kind of, you know, being on the road owners kind of taught me how to kind of like develop that, that brotherhood of like, this is, we're, we're just, we all want the same thing and we're letting our emotions go on the field. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's awesome, man. Cause I know, I know the training environment, especially at a young age plays a huge role and if yeah. you guys are constantly pushing each other to be the best and, and bring out the best in each other, you can only imagine the product that comes with it. Bro, um, I can't even I can't even tell you how many how many fights, how many arguments, how many, you know, just roast sessions <laughs> like yeah. we've been involved with at that at that age. So so it's you know, it was good to have that early. So you you mentioned that you already had a level of competitiveness, but you you come into this training environment and it's like next level. And people, your, your, your mentality could have gone both ways. You could have been like, I'm not going to deal with this shit or I'm going to submerge myself in it and, and learn from it. Yeah. Why do you think that is like that you, you just took it in? Cause I know there's other players out there um, and people for that matter that they see that, you know, that barking and that this, the disrespect on the field and in quotation marks that, I'm not going to deal with this. Let me just go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. I mean, why do, you, why do you think that is? I mean, for, I've never been one to like, you know, decline a challenge. You know, I've never, I've never been, you know, one to back down. Obviously, like I mentioned that MSC, we went, we went head to head with the Roadrunners for years, years before, you know, I even considered joining them. I've never been one to, to say, all right, well, this is the easy route and whatever. But I think it was more so of like, I was intrigued by, by the environment, the brotherhood. I was like, this is what it's like. This is where, you know, cause we didn't have that in MSC. MSC, we, we, you know, it was maybe two or three guys that really, really cared and wanted to win. But that was the biggest difference between MSC and the Roadrunners. It was like, the ro guys on the Roadrunners, they basically would die for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They would <laughs> die for it. And I was in, I was kind of intrigued at that, and I was got, you know, it was the curiosity was a, got you. Yeah, you know, even though it was like a like a you know a different different level for me, I wasn't like, oh damn, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to adjust this. I was like, yo, this is how it's gotta be, and and luckily I, I accepted that challenge, and I was like, you know, let's roll with it, <laughs> let's yeah, roll no, with it. And and would you would you agree that that Peebo wasn't afraid to go into the unknown? Like you would you were gonna oh. adapt no matter what. No matter what, no matter what, you know, and in, in, in that kind of goes back to the, you know, the MSI classic, you know, when I started off on that team where, you know, guys, you know, eating, eating orange slices and chilling at halftime, like, yo, 
that wasn't the environment for me, but I was having fun. And as soon as I got removed from that and had to go to Julio's, I was like, okay, this is new, but let's, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's um, awesome. I, yeah. I think, I, I think that's part of my personality. Like there was never a chance where I was going to be like, uh, nah, guys, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, you know, and, and yeah. I kind of just accepted that, embraced that. And, and also the guys that, the guys that off the field, they were the homies, you know, like Chris Hangy. I still talk to him every other day. Julio, obviously, I talk to him all the time. Joe Jow, who I forgot to mention, you know, that's the homie, big homie playing for Cincinnati, right? Now. Like I have really true relationships with these, these those guys on the road. It's not to say that guys on MSC or, you know, previous teams I didn't like, but, you know, I don't necessarily have that bond with them to this day, but, you know, guys on the road on this, even even those that that I haven't really connected with in a long time, I know if I were to see them today, it'd be love, all love, you know. For sure, for sure. No, it sounds like all you guys had like mutual goals in in terms of you know bringing out the best in each other. You guys all push each other to the next level, and I mean it shows now. You know, a lot of you guys are playing at the next level, successful in life. You know, happy with their lives, and and that's that's fantastic to hear. Um, but after the Roadrunners, right? Now you get the opportunity to play for DC United Academy. Mm-hmm. How did that? How did that happen? Did, were, were you scouted? Did you go try out? Did you know you get recommended? What was that yeah. process like? And at what so, age? So I think it was because our last, my last game with the Roadrunners was um, the regionals. We lost to Hoda, New York Hoda, but uh, <laughs> I think that was U15. And um, after that, we kind of we kind of broke up. Guys kind of went their different way. This is when the development of the academy was going on. So a lot of guys were interested and curious about how that would work. Um, so a handful of us went to the academy. Um, and I guess that was based off of scouting. Um, you know, I, I went through kind of like was persuaded through Julio Sr. He's like, hey, look, this is, this is kind of um, something that, you know, something to look at, you know, explain that to my mom. Cause like I said, we were never really involved with the structure. We didn't really know the behind the scenes, like him being a coach in the area, he kind of knew what was up. And then um, I had a chance to make a, I guess, start a relationship with a guy named Chris Megalutis, who's now an agent for um, like some top guys like DeAndre Yedlin, um, um, this guy um, from LA Galaxy, but anyway, but yeah, so had the chance to talk with them and they kind of, say hey look like this is structure of the academy is this something you'd be interested in doing and of course like new challenge definitely uh you know didn't back down from it and um i guess i guess that's how i i kind of got interest uh introduced to to dc united academy okay awesome awesome and then when you uh experience your first training session at dc now you're in a professional environment uh, was there any difference that you felt right away? Did you need time to adjust? Um, so, yes and no, because, mo- like I said, most of the guys were playing for the U16s, the U- U16 Academy. So we had U16 and we had U18. Um, so Richie was coaching us the U16. So a lot of the guys who left the road on us, they were, I was just playing with my team. It was the same type of atmosphere. We, we had uh, some other additions from local guys in the area. Um, I think the biggest difference from that aspect would be the coaching. So when I was on Roadrunners, um, Ula and Phil, you know, they were intense, but they were never really the type that would be like, if I were to make a mistake, they would, they would bark like every time they were never that they, they kind of like 
we're intense with us, but let us do our thing. Let us show our flavor and then keep it real with us. That's, that's what I really liked about their coaching style too. But when I got to DC and Richie, Richie was, you know, he's a, he's a British dude. And you know how they, you know, guys, they, they don't refrain from saying anything, however they feel. It was literally everything, bro. Like everything from the touch to like staying focused. Matter of fact, I'm going a little bit ahead of myself, but I remember a, 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 a showcase in Texas. And this is right when the vapors, the new vapors came out and they have the, the cover. The cover over um, the laces. Yeah, cover over the laces. And me and, and you can go and try, like, between games, you can go and try those boots out and maybe even wear them for games. So me, you know, obviously the boys, we're interested in our boots. Me and Lester, okay. we went up to the tent, and we were like, yo, can we wear these for our next game? They're like, yeah, 100%. We had to sign up the paperwork, blah, 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 whatever. We come back to our where our field is hanging out, and Richie sees us with these boots, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, what, what, like, what's going on? What are you wearing? He's like, why are you guys wearing those? And we're like, oh, we just want to try them out. And he's like, you're going to try out boots the hours or minutes before you have on a game you've ne- that you've never tried on before. And we're like, yeah. He's like, if you guys play like shit, I'm going to let you have it. Excuse my French. <laughs> he's like, if you play like shit, I'm going to let you have it. Sure enough, we play like shit. <laughs> oh, Bro, he, uh, he, he just let us have it the whole time. And, and that was kind of like, the if you if you had to picture that type of relationship, he's just like, look, I literally just told you, don't wear those boots. And you're gonna go ahead and wear them. Like I'm gonna let you know. But just from from that, and then kind of just, you know, ways that we can improve our game um, on a bigger scale. Like 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 he introduced different thoughts to me that I've never really thought about as a player, um, and and kind of helped grow that mindset as well. Because there's levels to it. You know what I'm saying? It's not just like, all right, you have a you have a competitive mindset. That's it. Like there's levels to this, to this mindset thing. And obviously like guys like MJ and Kobe RP again are at the top of it, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, man, that was, that, that would be the, and then I guess the other, only other difference would, you know, when I was with the U16s, I'll get thrown in with the U18s sometimes. And that would be with like the, the Bill Hamid's, um, you know, you probably don't know these names, but like Shane Cook, Sean Murnane, yeah. um, um, but just like top guys who were balling at the time, at the, you know, at a much more physical age group, and in that case, I had to kind of be smarter. So that that took a lot of adjusting for me, and um, the players that got called up as well. Well, that that must have been a, a fantastic experience for you, you know, knowing that you're hungry for competition, knowing that you're hungry to win. That yeah. must have been a great experience for you. For sure, man. I mean, it was it, like. Like, I, I, I try not to say I'm ever nervous about things, but, like, I would, I would go up there and be like, dang, like, this is a completely different different game playing against, like, a guy like Chris Agorser, who at that time was like, yo, you can't, you can't, you can't touch this guy. Like, you can't even be on the same field with this guy. Um, so it was a good learning process for me. Um, and, and like I said, definitely a, definitely a, uh, acceleration for my growth process. That's awesome. When, when you were in, in the DC United Academy, did you ever have opportunities to train with the first team or have scrimmages against them? Yeah. Yeah. So it was at that time, it was kind of weird because like the reserve system was all, I mean, I, I don't think it was, it was structurally like strong. Um, but there, there were times where they were calls in and, and train with the first team and, and, and um, you know, kind of get that experience uh, to, to, you know, 
just see what what life is like on the pro pitch, on the real pro pitch where we're, where we're trying to be. So that was that was one thing that that I appreciated too with being in the academy. There was always opportunity, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and the guys that are in the academy now today, like they see it even more. You know, like like Loudon United, half our team is composed with with academy players. You know. Yeah. 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 Getting, no. getting that every day. That's awesome. But my question is, when you know you you move from the Roadrunners, you go into a professional environment that that is DC United. You know, you're playing with the U16s, U18s, and then it seems like you know you made these jumps, you made these jumps, these progressions, and then you have the opportunity to train for the first with the first team. You know, let's say. Rewind, people back at Roadrunners. Probably never even passed through your mind that you never. were actually going to train with DC United's first team. Never. Maybe you wanted to, of course. Everybody wants to. But now you're there. What, what, what's going through? How did you adjust to, like, that first training session with, like, playing with professional soccer players, men? How old were yeah. you at that time? I think the first training session I had with the first team, I was 16, maybe 17. Yeah, six, 16, I want to say. Um, maybe even 15. But I was young, man. I was young. And Julio uh, Jr. had been doing it for a while. Like, he got called up before me. So he kind of, like, said, you know, gave me the, you know, we're boys. We're best friends. So, like, kind of gave me the rundown. I was like, look, go in there. Just be open. Be respectful. Um, and, and I knew all these things. Um, but the level of training kind of humbled me <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, like brought you back down humbled me at the time because it's like all right yeah we have these egos we know we're doing big shit for like road runners even the academy like our team was nice but to go um into like a, a pro training environment and some of the things that the coaches are telling you you don't understand that's humbling you know you, you then you realize that you don't know everything you don't there's there's, there's more to learn about this this sport and in this game so I think for me it was, it wasn't um, it wasn't too overwhelming, but it was still good reflection. But at the same time, that kind of drove me as well. Um, I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed uh, you know the guys, you know how they had the relationship. I that kind of drove me. Being in that environment was like all right, like pro. Like that's that's, just, that's what's that was up. just that was just another yeah. challenge for you. Another challenge. Diving into the unknown, but just taking it on, taking that risk. That's all. That's what it's all about. Just taking risk and kind of just being open-minded to different things and learning what you what you like, what you don't like. Um, but, you know, I, I know I said the national team was something that kind of, you know, drove me to become a pro. But definitely one of those, the, the first training sessions of being with the, the first team, that was like opening the door of like, yeah. okay, this, this is a different, different life. So. And who who did you share the field with during that time, with the pros? Who was uh, on the the first team at that time? Bro, I couldn't even remember. There's just so many names, but there's a guy, <laughs> there's a guy who plays. He actually plays in the USL now. Uh, Mark Mark Birch. Um, I remember a specific time, where not me, but another player. Uh, I guess he they were playing small side in the same team, but he made an error. And Mark let him have it. He let him know that this this wasn't the academy. You know, what I'm saying and that was the type of players. That's what that's what they would do. I think I think that was a favor for us. Kind of like wake us up, shake us, and wake us up, and be like, "Yo, this is a man's game out here." Um, but yeah, those those I can't really remember the players, but I know there was there was you know decent guys on the field. Ben Olsen's the guy that I that I always you know 
him being the head coach of, the, of DC, like I always remember him him jumping in our academy sessions and uh, you know just talking to us and, and just letting us know that hey, you could be here one day. Um, so when he was on the field as well, um, and 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 just got to share the field with him, like that was that was a good environment. That's awesome. After DC, you go on to uh, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. You play college. You do your four years there. Uh, how was the 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 life at Virginia, West Virginia? Which one, soccer or, or social? Both. <laughs> both. I want to know both. <laughs> so the, here's the thing about West Virginia that not a lot of people know. Uh, for me personally, so uh, I was one of the first people. So so I guess to rewind a little bit, when I when I joined the academy, prior actually prior to joining the academy, I didn't really have interest. Like I had a a Bucknell. Um, maybe like just a couple of random schools or whatever. And then I joined the academy, bro. And I, I, I swear, you can go to my mother's house right now. She has all these these letters. But literally, UCLA, USF, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, um, bro, UConn, anyone you can name. And that was kind of it. It's like these college teams were like, oh, this is an academy. Let's go to these showcases. And we just pick and I'm throwing out letters. We just picking to see who, who we want to recruit. So West Virginia was one of the early schools that had contacted me. And I was like, mm, I don't know, man. Like, you know, West Virginia, you're like, I'm, we DMV, we like, we see the exit for Charleston. We're like, yo, we, we. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I'm not going. <laughs> What's that over there? So, so I had West Virginia basically in the back pocket, never really kind of, um, you know, considered it. Apologize, Marlon. But yeah, so, so, um, you know, once my, my like academic situation was, I guess, clear, cause in, and I'll be the first to admit in high school, I was like, I was chilling. Um, I just wanted to play soccer. It, it became apparent that like there was going to be a couple hoops that that I would have to jump through to go to like a Virginia or like a Maryland or whatever. And and for me, I was like, huh, okay, maybe this isn't the right situation for me. And and at the same time, Marlon at West Virginia, he was showing good faith in me, regardless of what he just wanted me to go to West Virginia. So I was like, all right, this is this is good because he like he's he's showing that he cares. Um, so with that being said, going into West Virginia, I committed, and you know, obviously, I was still playing on the U18s with. Um, you know, DC United. So, <laughs> you know, I had made good, good relationships with guys like Uwami Tuck, Travis Pittman. Um, you know, these, these guys were playing on the academy with me. And I don't know, to this day, somehow convinced them, you know, especially Uwam to decommit from his school. I think he was committed to UConn. Um, and convinced Travis to go to West Virginia with me. So going into that with two close friends was like, all right, this is, this is amazing. On top of that, in my class, I knew of, I knew really well of everybody else, either playing against them or playing um, in the area with, with, with certain players as well. So I'd say to answer your first question, or I guess your question, um, I'd say, bro, amazing to have, to have uh, the opportunity to go to school with people that you know and play on the same team, like not just be on the team, but play as a freshman amazing it was it was best time of my life um um for sure um that freshman season especially you know playing and then being introduced to like college and and, and all that stuff it was just bro it was a time it was a time yeah because i mean you're, you're going into college at 17 18 you're still yeah. you know now that you look back at it you're you're still young you're still a kid 
you know sure. <laughs> you, you still got a lot to mature on right For but sure. at the time you're just you're just having fun you're just having a good time you know our egos and our, our mind is all the way up there because you know you know i'm in college i'm playing you yeah. know I'm, I'm with all these girls now i'm yeah, exposed to the college life you know you're the I mean? man you're the you're man. man you're the man out there but when you when you were at west virginia you know did did you ever have that experience of like like let's say quote unquote fame like everybody knew who people was because you know it was balling out at the soccer team did that ever I, get I to you say, i wouldn't say popularity yeah like personally no like obviously in, in college like you have people who who enjoy being around um i guess you guys because we were fun like we were an out, outgoing group um you know we, we like to to play soccer and also we like to have fun at the same time <laughs> um you know our, our house was always popping uh shout out 329 mclean uh, <laughs> it was always popping i wouldn't so-called call it fame because we were also competing with like um All the football other sports. <laughs> and yeah. basketball oh, who, were, who at the time basketball they were they were in the final four you know, like they were re doing really well. Yeah, they're doing really well. And football was always big, um, massive in, in Morgantown. So I wouldn't call it fame. But with that being said, like, like people knew who we were, like, especially, you know, within the, the sporting department, like Noel Devine, you know, he was he was cool with us. And especially one of my good or I guess our captain at the time, Ray Gaddis, he was the type of person who was very involved with the school so he knew everybody like everybody mm -hmm. so getting introduced to people through him definitely helped um our, our i guess status but you know us as freshmen <laughs> we joke around you joke around uh sometimes we call it call ourselves a fab five but we came in literally <laughs> like literally we didn't care about who was older than us whatever like at times we were a little bit naive in terms of like you know just starting stuff with like upperclassmen but like we didn't care we were just like yo we're here to play we're here to ball and then uh, you know that kind of picked up traction on the field because uh, I guess that that type of energy made its way and was kind of like a, a change from the previous years because the team had you know hadn't done so well um, if we're being honest and you know people saw that and they're like yo he's these young kids from DMV making all this damn noise <laughs> so so in a way yeah um, people definitely picked up who we were but I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I wouldn't call it fame. Like, we, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as saying that. And no, like now from hearing that, people, I, I, it seems like after all you've been through in the training environment and, and being submerged in it, you were able to actually bring that to West Virginia. Exactly. That's, that's, that's exactly what, that's awesome. Bro, I remember summers, we would stay in the summer. So obviously, I'd had, I had a lot of help from my academic advisor, you know, at West Virginia. And one of the things, Erin Green, my, another shout out, like one thing she always, you know, encouraged me to do is to stay in the summer and do classes and, and kind of like work out and, and, and get ahead, you know, and that would kind of like enable me to graduate early, which by far was the smartest decision of my college career. And at the um, time, I bet you didn't want to stay home. I mean, stay at, on campus. Yeah, for, I mean. For some Nah, but when I, once I experienced that first summer in Morgantown, I was like, okay, this is kind of kind of <laughs> dope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we were we were living, like talk about living, bro. Like 
like doing workouts in the morning, going to school in the morning, and then having the afternoon to just do whatever, bro. We would go to the lake. We would go to, you know, party. Like people were still there. Like it was, it was, it was fun, man. It was, it was dope. And, and a lot of, a lot of players on our team chose that route. So it was, it was a chance for us to bond and kind of, kind of, kind of establish a, a group. So yeah, for sure. No, definitely that competitiveness definitely followed like to West Virginia. And, and I remember there was times in the summer where we would have pickup and it was, it was similar, similar environment to road runners. Like we're, we're cussing at each other. We're barking at each other. Like it's, it's getting intense. But then after it's all said and done, it's like, yo, who's, who's buying tonight? <laughs> who's buying tonight? You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was, it was dope. It was a good environment. It was a good time. That's great. That's great. No, it, I think that's, that's super important. Like it just seems like, you know, throughout your whole life, you were in that same environment, which, which is like, I think it's super important. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I feel like I'm I'm a firm believer that you are a product of your environment, but you can also create your environment. You I agree. I, I agree. Um, but that's awesome. So after West Virginia, you're thinking about getting drafted. We go back to the story. We already said you didn't get drafted, but Phoenix over here comes calling. And you said mm-hmm. that you have a nice story at Phoenix. Huh. First so, year, first year pro, pro. How's that like? First year pro. So keep in mind, this is a USL in 2013. So this is night and day, you know, to what the USL is now. You know, the USL has done a good job to grow and and kind of partner with the MLS to kind of boost that. And um, you know, back in the day, it was difficult. You know, we had a, a new team. It was an expansion team. I think the year before that, they had done like two different like usl1 usl2 i didn't really understand at the time but excuse me um at that time phoenix phoenix fc wolves was an expansion team um new team i think there was some um brazilian owners um front in the front office that that you know they were like all right this is a nice market to have and, and it was dope it was nice weather everything um and it did also help that my brother lived in tucson so uh, my oldest brother, so he was like an hour and a half away. So I'm I'm going into this thing. I'm 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 buzzing, happy, confident, playing well, starting. You know, as a rookie, uh, you know, for a few, uh, quite a few games, um, and you know, we experienced some some financial turmoil about halfway through the season, and it became, um, I guess, what how would I say? It? it became less of a soccer experience for me. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, we, we, you know, payments become, they became later and later and, and, you know, just, I don't know if you can imagine like being away from home and, you know, kind of less like having that doubt of like, what, what am I doing here? You know, like what, like we're still playing games, but we're not getting paid and it just became really messy, bro. So um, I ended up, you know, I think a few games before the season, making the decision to come back home um you know because we weren't getting paid and you know my agent was begging me he's like please don't don't come home like and I was like dude like I can't I can't do it like I I need to you know figure something out and at the time it was I I, you know I don't regret that decision I think it was like maybe three weeks or four weeks before the the official season had ended so yeah I could I I probably could have stayed but at that time I was just like that was probably that's probably one moment in my life where I was like I, I quit and I felt you know I felt terrible about it at the time, but I was just like, I, I can't continue to do this. 
Yeah, no, but it makes sense. I mean, if you're not getting paid for your services, yeah. it's crazy. You, kinda, you can you can let it pass once or twice, but eventually you get fed up and you're like, yo, like, I'm it was not crazy. Free. Yeah, it was crazy, and was crazy. and yeah, and and it was it was really a learning point for me in my career of just like, all right, there's also there's not just a soccer side, there's a financial side, there's a business side of things that you might not have control over. Yeah, um, no, and, and that, as a young player, right, before you jump into the professional life, you're over here thinking, like, I just want to play because I love the game. But once you get to the adult life and step into the real world, it's like, I need I need to get paid. Like, I have yeah. bills to pay, I have things to do, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I feel like that also plays a huge role. Like, because now you have to balance the financials as well as staying on top of your game as an athlete. And, and being sharp on and off the field. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, bro. It was, it was definitely weird times, man. I mean, we had a lot of guys who, like, luckily we had quite a few local guys who were from Phoenix area. They were able to maintain, I guess, a strong roster, but there was a lot of guys that, that bounced earlier than I did. <laughs> like, I remember one of my guys, I won't mention his name, but, like, he, he left. He went to overseas, like, as soon as the first sign of delay payment, He's like, yeah, I'm out of here. Get that contract done. And they didn't fight him because they were like, oh, like, why, do we, why would we even continue to? No, yeah, to if, they're, if they're not holding up their part of the contract, yeah. It's just like, exactly. Valid, yeah. exactly. Um, but now you're at Loudoun United. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you sign for them? I signed with Loudoun United in 2018, end of 2018. So after I finished the season with North Carolina FC, um, I was approached by um, Dave Casper and um, Dane Murphy about the possibility of coming home to to start up this this Loudon team, um, and I was interested. That's always been some a goal of mine um, to to play at home, whether that be for DC or you know, I don't know if you remember, but way back in the time there was talks of an NASL team in, in Loudon, and I was I was like, yo, checking Google every day to get information on it because that, that's always been a dream for me to, to come home and play in front of my family. Um, so, so when I, when they, they came to me with that opportunity, I was like, you know, this is definitely something worth exploring. No you know, I love, I love North Carolina FC, like hundred percent. I would definitely, if I had the opportunity to play for North Carolina again, I would go back and play, but, um, we were going through changes, uh, within staff and the club and, and, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty, um, and they were honest about everything and kind of expressed that look like you're free to do whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So you you go back to London and now you, you your dream came true. You're playing uh, in your hometown, mm-hmm. um, well at least in the DMV. Yeah. And how was that? How was that first game like? That experience? Like, you, did you ever have that that feeling of like, damn, I finally made it? Like my my mom, my family, my friends are finally gonna see me step on the field pro in in, in the yeah. DMV. I, to be to be fair, it, it it actually didn't even hit until the first game that my my family came to because the way it worked is like we didn't have a stadium ready mm-hmm. um in the 2009 for the start of the 2019 season so we spent like i want to say like the first five four months on the road you know what i mean wow. and then we were playing at audi you know and, it, and it's a dope experience but it just wasn't like it just wasn't like like home home like we were playing in dc stadium like which was dope you know i remember the first game was was uh you know a lot of my boys were there 
uh, all my West Virginia buddies and they all came to the game. And, and in that sense, like, yeah, I had a feeling of like, all right, this is great. Like, I, this is what I've been waiting for. Um, but in terms of like having that, that home feeling like I'm home, it didn't hit until like later when, when my, my family would start coming to the games and they would be rooting for me. Cause that's, that's, it's different. Like you, you know how it is when your family comes, they're rooting yeah. for you. And then when you can hear them, you, you get that yeah. energy boost. They're, they're like, the, the only people you hear. Yeah, and then and then the the experience or that feeling you get after the game where you just go dab up your dad or or, yeah. or hug your yeah. mom or, or sure. dab up your boys and you know oh good game it's okay whatever yeah that that's that's an incredible feeling I totally agree with you but that that's awesome people that's awesome um so now people you're uh, stuck in quarantine but you're still staying sharp uh, I think you guys are gonna start up training soon. Yeah, so it all depends on um, what happens with Virginia. I know right now um, they're still they're still discussing on whether they can open Segra or not. Um, Segra is our field, so we're retraining that. But it's just it's just up in the air, man. It's it's stuff that's out of our control. Um, I know teams are are training right now. Um, they're able to they have the green light to go ahead and train, but. Unfortunately, we are not one of those teams. So <laughs> I know our staff is eager and our players are eager. Um, you know, guys are tired of going to the local park and training, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> which is exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we get the ball rolling pretty soon and, and, and that, you know, makes sense to, you know, the players, the staff, and everybody involved from a safety perspective. Awesome, brother. Well, I, hope, I wish you all the best with that. And I hope I you guys start you, up soon. Um, but, yeah, people, we're, we're coming to an end now. Uh, I have two questions for you. All okay. right. First one. What is your definition of being a winner? Hmm. Wow. Now I see why you, you uh, held off you, on that. Yeah, I put you on the yeah. spot. I'm not going to let yeah. you know right away. <laughs> yeah. Makes you think. Being a winner. I guess being a winner, and this is interesting because, you know, prior to the, to the Last Dance documentary, you know, obviously, like, you have that, uh, that idea of what a winner is. And I mentioned earlier, there's levels to this competitiveness. Like there's levels. Mm -hmm. um, and watching MJ, you know, do what he does. He's not just, you know, mother effing people for the fun of it. Yeah. But he's trying to he's trying to reach into your soul and and irritate you or you know, set that switch that's gonna turn you, you know, up or down, make you make a decision of you know, do I wanna go along with him and in, in, in the approach that he has or just it's like f you i'm done with it you know either you're succeeding or you quit so for me i guess in a sense being a winner that's what it is about is the ability to not just you know do what you got to do perform at that where everybody knows that you can perform, but make your teammates better make your coach better make 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 the fans make whoever it is if you're bringing people along that's that's what a winner is. It's not necessarily oh I'm I'm able to to score five goals a game and show out for my team. But if you can if you can build an org like if you look for example the Bulls, if you can make the head coach better, if you can make the GM better, if you can make your teammates better, that's a winner, bro. Like that is the highest peak of winning. Like totally if you can agree. if you can get get guys that don't necessarily or not aren't as necessarily in your bubble. You know, to win and and think like you and have that approach and and just be willing to, I guess, sacrifice everything, you know, 
to, to be successful, that's a winner. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, being a winner is also making the people around you winners. For sure. You know, so everybody wins. But For sure. I, I totally agree because also I feel like people perform their best under pressure. Even though you might not feel it right away, eventually you're going to pop off. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It's, it's that, that little, that little split, split moment where it's like, all right, I can either go left or right. Exactly. You know, I can either go with it or just cave in in the fight or flight, you know? Exactly. So I, th exactly. I, think, I think that's what winner, being a winner is. That's a great question, bro. And uh, last question for you. What advice, if you could, would you give 13-year-old people? 13-year-old people? First of all, I would tell them to start, you know, pay more attention in school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say... Hmm. That's a great question as well. I would say, um, you know, think about, think about, because in a way I feel like, you know, back in the day I, I knew, I knew things, I had that competitive spirit, but I didn't really know. I found out the levels by being exposed to them. So I guess I would say is 13 year old people to look at the bigger picture, you know, look at the bigger picture. Obviously, you want to be the best, but what does that mean? You know, because I feel like if I would have started looking a bigger ahead or more ahead in terms of like where I wanted to be, I would have put my head down and gone for it. No question at 13 years old. Obviously, being being older now, you, you have different responsibilities and different things that come up, and, I, yeah. and I'm, I'm learning that. But I would say, you know, 13-year-old people, keep dreaming, but look at the bigger picture. I love it. That makes sense. Yeah, I love it. I love it. People, thank you so much for your time. It was a fantastic conversation. Yeah. Um, I hope I didn't put anybody to sleep, man. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah. I think it was fantastic. It's a great story you have there. Well, guys, for all you listening, this was episode four of The Winner's Circle uh, by Grande Sports Training, a podcast where we dive into the mindset of professional soccer players. If you haven't already, subscribe now. And uh, I'll leave you with that until the next one. Take it easy, guys.